Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Hey, before we dive into this episode, I have an important question for you. What if you could start your home-based business in less than a week? Or let me rephrase that. What if you could finally make that paid hobby or passion project of yours an official business set up from start to finish in less than a week? What if someone handed you the roadmap with the exact steps you need to take to do just that? Well, I am doing that and I can't wait to share about it. Work from home rates and home-based businesses are on the rise. And if you've been thinking about starting your own small business in 2021, I created the exact roadmap and packaged it into a bite-sized, highly affordable bundle in the Own It Academy called The Starter. One of the number one complaints I hear from women who want to start a small business from home but struggle to really take that leap is... I just don't know where to start. I wish someone would just tell me what to do first, second, and third. So we put together a plan to help you do just that. From getting legally protected, financially organized, building a standout brand, and getting started with sales, you'll have the steps you need in the right order so you can focus on doing the fun parts that you love and rest easy knowing all the business stuff is completely taken care of. Plus, I brought in some incredible experts, including business attorneys, trademark lawyers, designers, and more to offer their expertise as you up each step of your business for success. There's truly nothing else like it out there. So here's the deal. For one week only, this program, valued at over $600, is available to enroll in for only $97. Yes, you heard that right. But after one week, the price will go up. So if this sounds interesting to you, if this sounds like something you need, I highly recommend taking advantage of this early enrollment pricing, even if you can't start on it right away, because you can work at your own pace. So mark your calendar because early enrollment opens on January 18th and that early enrollment special will be available for one week. Just go to learn.theownitacademy.com slash starter to learn more and get on the wait list so that you can be notified the second we open. That's learn.theownitacademy.com slash starter to learn more and get on the wait list or just click the link in the show notes. Let's talk about money, honey. Okay, I am so cheesy. I need to go home. Anyways, today I am diving into all things money mindset, habits, and some really helpful disciplines we can begin to implement right now so that we can begin using money as a tool and a vehicle toward our dreams and the callings on our life. And I'm doing that with the one and only Rachel Cruz. Rachel Cruz is a two-time number one national, whoa, I almost said that wrong, national bestselling author, financial expert, and host of The Rachel Cruz Show. And since 2010, she has been serving 
training at Ramsey Solutions, where she teaches people to avoid debt, save money, budget, and win with money at any stage in life. She's authored three best-selling books, including Love Your Life, Not Theirs, and Smart Money, Smart Kids, which she co-wrote with her dad, Dave Ramsey. Her latest book, Know Yourself, Know Your Money, Discover Why You Handle Money the Way You Do and What to Do About It, releases in January of 21. So it is available now or soon to be available. Anyways, we're digging into really what what shaped our views of money. You're going to kind of be able to evaluate, huh, what money classroom do I fall in? How was I raised and how is that shaping maybe how I handle money now? How am I handling money now? What habits am I living with that I might not even be aware of? What are some steps I can take to change that? And how does dreaming and looking toward the future begin to shape what I do with money today? And how do I begin to dream again? So we're digging into that in that order. I won't make you wait any longer. Let's just get right into it. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Rachel, welcome to She. Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you back. Um, For new listeners, Rachel was on the show at the very beginning of the show, probably like our, I think it was like our 10th or 12th episode and everyone loved it. So I knew I needed to have you back on. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Before we dive in though, for those who may have not heard the first episode or who are not familiar with you, can you share a little bit about yourself and really what led you to want to help people with their finances? Yeah, my my passion in life is just that. It's helping people get control of their money and create a life that they love. Money is such a stressful topic for so many people. And so giving them any guided plan, peace of mind uh, through this topic is something that I love. So I've been doing it 11 years now, which is just so crazy. So I used to travel and speak, not as much anymore, (laughs) but write books. I have a podcast and a YouTube show and just love getting people yeah, to that place where they say, okay, I'm controlling my money. My money's not controlling me. Yeah. And that really came out of my family's story. My parents filed bankruptcy the year I was born. Mm. And so really living my life, understanding, okay, this is how money works and how it doesn't work. And then when I graduated from college, I realized this is really what I want to do with my life is, is again, just to, to help people in this in this section of of life that's confusing and intimidating. So I I love it so much and it's it's always such a joy to get to do podcasts even like this. So yeah. thanks for well, having me. Yeah, I love that. And you know, I often think about how much fa- how much finances and and money truly is kind of the foundation and the key tool to so much that we want to do that we're called to do in our lives and I think it can be something that feels foreign or if we were never well equipped with the right mindset toward it, with with the tools to use it well, it can feel like more of a burden than a vehicle to where we want to go. And so I want to dig into that a little bit. And I thought maybe it would be great to just touch on some money mindset first. You talk a lot about different types of money classrooms and how they really shape the way we handle money. Can you dig into what those are and how they impact us? Yeah, as I was writing my new book, Know Yourself, Know Your Money, I was really digging into the why we handle money because, again, for over a decade, I've talked to people about the how-to, how to budget, how to get out of debt, how to build wealth, how to give, how, how, how. And I never really stopped and asked, okay, so why? Why do we do the things with money we do? And gosh, probably about three years ago, I went on this kind of self-discovery of just being really self-aware and digging in to myself. I took personality tests. I took the Enneagram. I remember 
reading the book Birth Order. Mm-hmm. I um, was in counseling. I mean, I just really was discovering so much about myself. And out of that, I was like, okay, all of this self-awareness, again, it, that's helping me in my marriage and my parenting and my friendships and you know everything across the board. Mm-hmm how is this going to help me with my money? And so I kind of started down this black hole. I feel like I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's so much here to ask this question. Why? And so one of the biggest answers that kept coming up for me of why you handle money the way you do is how you were brought up. Mm-hmm. And so your home growing up really is your classroom to all of life. You learn lessons that you take with you into adulthood. You, there's some lessons I'm sure everyone wants to unlearn from their childhood. You know, you take all of these lessons. And so when it comes to money specifically, it's communicated in two ways. It's communicated verbally and it's communicated emotionally. And again, as I was writing this book, I was like, oh my gosh, this creates like this graph. And I was like, oh, Jesus gave me a quadrant. Like this is so perfect (laughs) because it creates these like four money classrooms of how people grew up. And so being able to pinpoint which classroom you grew up in is really important because you can know the strengths and the challenges of each classroom and possibly why and how that impacts you today and how you view money. So true. So true. And I'm curious, what would you say if someone finds that they grew up with a more negative money classroom or in an unhealthy money mindset, or even just analyze what their maybe background was and say like, oh, that wasn't maybe a not so great viewpoint on money or habit that I picked up because I watched my parents or my family do X, Y, or Z or talk about it in this way. How can you address that and begin to shift to a healthier habit or a healthier view of money? Well, it's going to require change and change is hard, right? Change is hard for anyone. It's uncomfortable. It's not always fun. It's vulnerable because you know you might fail. But you, what you have to do is have hope that what you're changing to for the future is better than your presence. Mm-hmm. So you have to get to this place where you say, okay, here I am today with my money. Here are things and habits that I have that I don't like. I have to be willing to change, but my change has to be greater again than what I'm currently going through. So so I think pinpointing a few things of how you grew up is important. So for instance, the first money classroom is the anxious money classroom. Mm. And this is where it's verbally closed and emotionally stressed. Mm. So if you grew up in this classroom, you know, you probably knew there was tension around money, but you never really could pinpoint why because it wasn't talked about. Mm. So maybe if you grew up in this classroom, talking about money is difficult because you don't even know where to start. Like it was never talked about growing up. The emotional side of money is hard because it feels stressful, but be able to have a plan and push through that communication and talking about it, whether you're married or you have a best friend, but being able to discuss even purchases that you're making with someone else is such a great first step. Mm -hmm. If you grew up in the second money classroom, this is the unstable money classroom, and this is where it's emotionally stressed and verbally open. Mm -hmm. So lots of conflict, probably lots of fighting you heard your parents have about money. Maybe they fought with extended family members about money. And so people that grew up in this money classroom, they can tend not to engage in conversation, not because they didn't know how to talk about money because it was talked about, but they're scared that, okay, every time I talk about money, it's going to be tension filled and there's going to be conflict. And to know that there is a level of peace that can come, again, with that communication and having a plan in place. And specifically if you're married, being on the same page is going to help you tremendously if you grew up in classroom number two and seeing yourself as a team and not working against each other. Mm. Classroom number three is the unaware money classroom. And this is if it's if you grew up in a home where it was verbally closed, but emotionally calm. Mm. So you didn't really think about money because it wasn't talked about, but also like, I don't know, it was just your head was in the sand. Mm. So if you grew up in this classroom, I can find that a lot of people will tend to yield to other people to help them take care of their money. Mm. So maybe they have a spouse and the spouse just takes care of it all because they're good with the numbers. 
and you're like, oh yeah, that just feels good. It feels good not having to know and have that burden because kind of living in this blissful place, Mm -hmm. utopia feels better. So I would encourage people in that classroom to push in and to say, yeah, it feels good not knowing because you just don't know, but that's really scary and dangerous. Like Mm -hmm. you have to say, you know what? I want to be involved and not be overly controlling by any means but be willing to engage. Mm -hmm. And then classroom number four is the healthiest money classroom. And that's the secure money classroom. And this is where it's verbally open and emotionally calm. So this is where I want all my readers to eventually be in their present day to kind of move to that fourth money classroom. And this is where you say, you know what? My money's under control. You can have $10, you can have 10 million. It doesn't matter the amount, but to say, I am, I am, I have control over this money. I know where it's going. There's a plan in place. There are savings goals. I mean, you, you just have this level of planning that lowers stress when you know what's going on and it's not this ambiguous thing in your mind, you know, you can pinpoint and that will lower stress. And then also that communication is open, but you're just willing to talk about it. It's not a taboo subject. And so engage it. Yeah, this is a huge, I mean, thank you for sharing those because I think it really can be helpful to even begin to review and analyze and self-identify where might I be landing and where might my background yes, very much so. be shaping me. Um, and I'm sure the book goes much more detail into it, but I think this is such an important topic, like I said in the beginning, because like you just got done saying, the importance of it's not a taboo subject. And I find that a lot of times many of my listeners and readers will say, like, I just feel weird talking about money or I feel like it's a it's a like it's a topic you shouldn't talk about with your friends or with. And I, I think there's certainly boundaries and safe spaces and smart places to talk about it. Right. It's not about going and parading around saying, this is how much money I made, everybody. But I (laughs) do think there's this unfortunate, especially, I don't know if you've found this, but I find that a large part of my community was either raised in the church or is part of a church. And a lot of times there's that weird, like either shame or just guilt or insecurity around the subject. And that may have been due to the money classrooms or potentially due to the culture that they're part of now or both. But that's what I really want to emphasize is it's not a taboo subject. It's actually a tool. And if we can begin to shift into a healthier viewpoint of it, not only can we fuel the things we really want to do with our lives and need to do with our lives, we can also make a greater impact. And so I really just wanted to dig into a little bit of the details on how can I identify even how I really truly view money and my approach to it and what might have shaped that. So I'm grateful you shared that. And I'm curious about this too. I know our own habits are one of the biggest challenges we tend to face when it comes to money. Can you share a couple examples of poor money habits that you often see people making and what steps we can begin to take to address those habits? Like we just kind of covered mindsets. What habits kind of like manifest out of those, if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think kind of going back to what you said though, what a habit too is is your is how you view money. And I think that that's Jordan, I think that's a very, very important thing for people to realize. And like you said, it's you know, specifically if you've grown up in the church or all of that, it can have this negative connotation. But if you see yourself having the habit of viewing yourself as a manager, not an owner, mm-hmm. shifts your perspective. Like that is very biblical that we are called to be stewards of what God has given us. And so when he gives you blessings, we are called to steward and manage that well. We don't own anything in our life. We don't own our marriages. We don't own our college degrees. Like we don't own our jobs. We don't own anything. He owns it all. And so when you know, okay, I don't own it, you can live life with an open hand. So have a habit of viewing money as as this really this like biblical calling that we all have on this earth to do it really well. So I would say have that habit, have the habits of of budgeting. So this is a bad habit I see a lot of people have that it's kind of this idea, oh, it's all going to work out. It's fine. Or I don't want to look at the numbers because it stresses me out. I'm just going to live life and it's 
I live once, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you live like that over years and years and years and decades and decades and decades, you're not going to win financially. You're not going to make this impact where you say, oh, wow, I have stewarded this well. Mm-hmm. And now I'm able to bless my family and bless others. So you have to be very intentional with where your money goes. Even if you're, even if you have just a starting salary at your first job, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. saying, okay, this is exactly where my money's going. And so a simple budget is your income for the month minus all of your expenses equals zero. And so every dollar is assigned to a category. And in those expenses, giving and saving need to be included. But to say, okay, this is my plan. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's one habit that you really need to get into do a monthly budget every single month before the month begins. Uh, another bad habit I see is that people depend on their credit cards for their emergency funds. And I would say you, when you have an emergency in life, like a car breaks down and you have a credit card to be your safety net, you not just have a car problem, now you've turned it into a financial problem. Mm-hmm. So in order to have money in the bank, it needs to be something that you work towards. Just $1,000, the starter emergency fund, work to save that. So you have this habit that when something happens in life, it's your money that backs it up, not the bank. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. I'm like, these are incredible. (laughs) Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one for one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients. And it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Okay, I want to pivot here a little bit as we talk about mindset and habits, because when talking about money, I also really like to talk about dreaming. I think that's a really key piece. And you just made a comment on, you know, if you're depending on the bank for an emergency fund, then now you have a financial problem. And I think that can really, at least in my experience and and my viewpoint, as I'm sure you'd agree, is when that happens, it kind of makes it difficult to dream and to look ahead to the future because you're constantly trying to keep up and catch up from the past, right? From past financial decisions. And so, you know, one thing my husband and I actually like to do is we like to have dream together dates where we talk about our money goals and why we have them and career goals and things like that. And then we dream about what that would look like. And so I'm curious, how do you think that dreaming impacts our ability to save and steward money well? Uh, It's a huge impact. Yeah. I mean, as I was diving into why we save the way we save, I realized beyond just like the emergency fund and all the basics when it comes to saving, really saving for the future you're mostly funding a dream or a goal that you have. You're mm-hmm. like, yes, out there, we want to, you know, build a house or out there, I want to live on this piece of land or out there, I want to be able to take, you know, a trip once a year, like whatever that dream is that's out there for you. I want to start my own business. The money usually has to follow. Mm-hmm. And so I find that people, when they're not saving, they're not dreaming. Yeah. And so they're very, very intertwined. And what what happens though is you get motivated when you have a dream that you feel like God has put on your heart. You know that's the direction your life is going. You're willing to make sacrifices mm-hmm. to save money because it's exciting. Like when you're living in it, you're like, yes, this is what I'm working towards. And so I would say that. And as you're saving, have someone in your life you can talk to about it. Whether that's your spouse, if you're married, or your friend, or a mentor, someone else if you're single. But to say, okay, I'm going to have someone else cheering me on in this because the dreaming is exciting. And yeah, it's someone that you could share that with, but then your savings follows. And that's what's that's what's wonderful. And I think that for me, I'm a natural spender. Mm-hmm. I'm not a natural saver. So for me to save, I'm like, I have to be motivated by something. I'm like, yes, I know I'm going to get this at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's worth it to me then mm-hmm. to say no to other things to save. Yeah, that's good. I would agree. I'm somewhat similar. I need to have some sort of end in mind, if that makes sense. And I think that can feel really big and like difficult to wrap our heads around. So give it something tangible is kind of what I'm gathering from this is give yourself a tangible goal that you're working toward. Even if you haven't got to the point where you're like, I have this grand vision for my life, because sometimes I feel like it can be presented that way. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. And that makes it really hard for me to work toward because I'm like, well, that seems really far away and really kind of like mystical and big. And I don't know if that'll ever work out. But if you can actually assign some stepping stones to it, like, okay, we want to build a house or, okay, we want to, you know, be able to, you know, save X amount for retirement or whatever the thing is, just give it some tangibles and look at it as, you know, this stepping stone rather than this big, massive thing. I agree. I think it really having something that you're working toward in a dream, I'm very similar. I tend to be very abundant mindset, which can sometimes be to a fault where I'm like, it'll be fine. You know, the money will come. Like, and I've, I've noticed that in myself where I tend to be more of a spender and a giver and a, let's just put it towards something. Right. And Sometimes I for, I've had to really go, okay, but if I have these goals, that's going to make me feel a little, it's going to give me a little bit more discipline to make sure that I'm thinking long-term as well. 
So yeah, I'm very similar in that way. Um, curious though, what advice do you have for someone who feels like they can't even dream because they find themselves so worried about paying the next bill, let alone saving anything? What can they do or what can they start doing today to move from living paycheck to paycheck to saving and dreaming? What could that look like? Yeah, on a tactical level, you do have to have this solid financial foundation in order to look to the future for long term, right? Mm-hmm. So, so yes, if your head is down because maybe you were laid off in 2020 or furloughed, and you're like, wow, this whole thing is a mess. Yeah, you do want to take care of that first and foremost. So I would say your first goal needs to be saving just $1,000. Once you have that mm-hmm. saved up, work your way to get out of debt by paying off the smallest debt to the largest debt. Mm-hmm. And then once that's paid off, then you can work your way to building a a fully funded emergency fund of three to six months of expenses. So after those three things is really where you're going to feel the sense of security to say, okay, you know, my present is is strong and have the solid foundation under me. I don't owe, I don't owe anyone anything and I have savings in the bank. And then by then you can really look up and start to live, but that's going to take you maybe two, three years to do those steps. So I would say block out time, I don't care if it's weekly, bi-weekly, that you literally just kind of set this time aside to dream. Because if you do get stuck down in the day-to-day mundane, yeah, it's going to be really hard to say, okay, I'm going to look up and have these goals, but you need to. And so your goals might be, hey, I want to be out of debt in 18 months, or hey, I want to have this emergency fund funded in the next nine months. Like Have those goals for sure, but then also have those goals that are five years and out. So, so take that time that you've allotted to say, okay, I'm going to have this dinner. I'm going to have this lunch. I'm going to have this time in the morning where I'm going to just think about the future and dream and do things far out. Because the beautiful thing is, you know, when you write things down and you start to kind of plan your life, God's going to change it. Like mm-hmm. we, we all can't say from five years from now, we're exactly where we're all going to be. And so to say, you know what, God, show me the way, show me steps. But that's the beauty in your story mm-hmm. and being able to look back and say, okay, I had this dream for in five years, X, Y, or Z was going to happen. And maybe it's three years into that. You're like, wow, my heart and my desires have so changed. And that's okay. That shows growth in who you are. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. And that was, I'm glad that you hit on that. I want to, you made a comment about this could take two to three years. And can we just discuss that for a second? Because I want to put myself in the the seat of the listener who may be like, oh my gosh, I feel like this is never going to happen, right? I just feel like I'm constantly trying to keep up with money. And so I want to hit on this point that you made about it could take a couple years, block out that time. I think setting realistic expectations for yourself rather than feeling like I've got to figure this out in the next two months, which would be nice. That would be awesome. But if we're being realistic and we're looking at it tactically, I really appreciate you sharing a a more realistic timeline. And would you say that's pretty typical to do those first few steps of a two to three, two to three year timeline is what you see the most for someone who finds themselves feeling like I'm just trying to make it right now. Like I, I can't even think about saving. Yes. Well, I would say there's a smaller win within the budget. So it's amazing. Within three months, when you start doing a monthly budget, you're it's going to start working. So give yourself 90 days. Okay. And once you have that budget under you, that's really one of the first big steps to getting control of your money. So if you really feel like you're just floundering and you're like, I, I can barely keep my head above water, mm-hmm. and you start to budget and you say, okay, no, this is how much I have for groceries. This is how much is going to bills. And you have a plan. You're going to feel peace. So you'll have that peace sooner than that three-year mark, but it takes people on average 18 to 24 months to get out of debt. Mm. And then nine to 12 months to build up that fully funded emergency fund. And and while that seems like so long, I, I'm, oh gosh, the earlier you can start this, the better off. Like that is short-term sacrifice, those three years to put yourself in an incredible financial position for the rest of your life. Like the rest of your life, you will never have bills. You have a, you know, you have this 
emergency funds in place, savings in the bank. I mean, it changes your entire outlook. So you're able to invest, you're able to give, you're able to spend like no one else you probably know because your income is all yours at that point. Mm. So when the, the earlier you decide to do that, the better long-term you're going to be. Mm, that's good. 90 days, that feels so much, that feels so doable. And that's the thing. Just look for one quick win. I always say like small wins add up to big victories over time. So I love that you gave that kind of shorter term win as well and a window to look at and, and goal to aim for. Another thing I want to ask about too is as someone is maybe potentially trying to make some of these shifts and changes and may find themselves in that position toward, okay, I want to start setting myself up financially so that I can dream again, so that I can actually be on the trajectory toward the dreams and the, and the rocket ship that was supposed to be my life that right now feels like it's so far away. Have you ever, I guess I'm curious what your advice would be when it comes to even reallocating funds. If someone's creating a budget and they find okay, you know, what could I cut out and do different? Let's say, let's use Netflix for an example, something like that. It's, a few, you know, $10, $15 a month. Where could that kind of money be reallocated or something as simple as, okay, this is something that's a, an enjoyable like pleasure, but it's not a long-term investment with my money. How could I reallocate even just $10 a month? Is there a place that you typically say, you know, is it the once before or once the $1,000 is saved? Okay. So then would you say once we get that first baby step done, you made the comment about paying off smallest debts to largest, correct? So yes. so if someone is doing this process of budgeting in those first three months, they find that they're able to save you know, the $1,000 and they're going into that next step and they're trying to figure out what they could reallocate. Do you have any other pieces of advice or things that they could be looking for in their budget as they're trying to take those next steps and get past that first win um, that they can maybe reconsider or reallocate some money from? Are there some shifts or adjustments you typically advise or would encourage people to consider making when it comes to how they're, where they're allocating money in their budget? I know everyone's life is different, but I just wonder, like I would naturally say Netflix, but I'm curious if there's anything else that you might say like, hey, do you notice that money's going toward this or this might be something to reconsider? Yeah, I think looking at all of your expenses as needs versus wants, so your needs are really food, shelter, utilities, and transportation. Like that's like really what you need to survive. Everything else, everything else is a want. And not that wants are bad and there's going to be elements of wants that you're going to have and that's fine. But you'll have to realize in those wants, the deeper you sacrifice those wants and put that extra money towards paying off debt, the faster, the faster you're going to gain traction financially. And it's not that you can never have those wants again. In fact, once you're out of debt, and you have that emergency fund in place, oh my gosh, you can have all the Netflixes you want. Because at that mm -hmm. point, you're like, oh, yeah, I have the money to get whatever subscription I want because mm -hmm. you actually have the money to do it. And mm -hmm. so that's the beautiful thing about it. So I think people have to be willing to sacrifice the wants. And so that can be, I find out to eat and grocery shopping. Gosh, we spend so much money on food. Mm -hmm. So where are places in that that you can cut? Are there subscriptions that you have? You said like Netflix, even mm -hmm. things like gym memberships, even the pandemic shift in 2020 showed us a lot of the things that we didn't need. The mm -hmm. spending actually, which is crazy to say, went down significantly because people were canceling big ticket items, whether mm -hmm. it was a new car or a vacation. So you're starting to see, okay, I can live without certain things. Mm -hmm. And so kind of adopt that mindset. Again, it's not forever. It is not forever. I want you to live an incredible life, a fun life. But for that short time, the more you're willing to sacrifice those wants that mm -hmm. you can, the faster you're going to gain traction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so good and so true. 
Oh, so helpful. Okay, last question. I would love to know, what are some practical exercises? You know, we talked about feeling stuck or feeling like, okay, I'm gonna take these first steps. But what are some practical exercises or steps that we can take just to start dreaming again, to kind of motivate us to kind of even take those first steps if we find ourselves feeling like we've kind of been aloof with money or just tried to, you know, like you said earlier, kind of live in this utopia and not have to think about it and not really know our money. You know, if we're knowing ourselves and we're knowing our money, which is the title of your book, Know Yourself, Know Your Money, what do you recommend for someone who says, I don't even know where I would, what I want to dream about? I felt so discouraged for so long, or I feel just like I'm just keeping up all the time. I like, I'm struggling to even have the motivation to, to establish those disciplines, even if it sounds great, because I just haven't dreamed in so long. I would love to know if you have any practical steps or advice that you would just offer that person who's trying to learn to dream again, maybe after a really hard year where it feels like dreams have just been ripped out from underneath them over and over again. Any input or thoughts you have on that would be so appreciated. Yeah, I would say have those short-term dreams. If you're in that place where you're like, I just feel like I'm just stuck in this rut and I can't get out, find those short wins, those, those small wins that you can have. And so again, whether it's you actually open up your bank account online and look at your transactions like for the first time maybe in months, but you actually look to see, okay, I'm going to add up the categories in my life and how much I spent last month. I'm going to look at food. I'm going to look at clothing. I'm going to look at, you know, go through and actually make those, make, go and actually see your numbers. I would say would be number one. And then that's going to help say, okay, this is going to propel me forward to where I actually am currently because sometimes it's that ignorance and that fear of not even knowing mm-hmm. that it is hard to dream because you're like, I don't even know where I'm starting from. So you have to get that starting place. So go back to last month or the month before and just look to see how you spent your money and where your money went is a great first step. And then from there, you can say, okay, here's where I'm at. Here's kind of my financial landscape and get all the numbers out on the table. And then from there, say, okay, in the next six months, mm-hmm. the next six months, just have a goal. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's to save a certain amount of money. I don't care if it's to say, you know what, uh, there's a girl's trip that is still on the books. Pray it doesn't get canceled. Mm-hmm. But I really want to cash flow that. I was planning on doing my credit card. Or maybe you cut up your credit cards. Like, I don't know. Whatever that goal is, have something that you can do within six months. That's perfect. Makes it so doable and so tangible. Rachel, where can everyone find you, learn more from you, read your book, all the things? I think you've offered so much helpful, so many helpful steps and so much valuable insight here. So where can they find you and uh, learn more? Yes, you can go to rachelcruz.com. The book is anywhere books are sold. And I'm all over social media, YouTube. I have a show and a podcast, The Rachel Cruz Show. So you can check it all out there. Awesome. Rachel, thanks for your time and for everything that you've walked us through today and just really encouraged us and help us understand our money mindsets, some habits we may be able to nix a little bit, and even some first steps to begin uh, just putting our money where our dreams are and to really even start dreaming again. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. 
Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less.